Well, praise the Lord. I hope that God has met you in this place of praise and worship and that you are just rejoicing for all the wonderful things that he has done. Yes, we have celebrated Thanksgiving, but we know who is worthy of all the praise, honor, and glory. Well, it is my honor to welcome you to Hopewell on this morning. Our hope at home, Hopewell anywhere, we do take the uh, affordability that we have technology that is able to enable us to give our team a break during this holiday holiday season so we pre-record and we bring this though live to you on this Sunday morning and we pray that this service has already been a blessing we do have some brief announcements for you we have some uh, our let your light shine our children's youth showcase that is coming up oh we announced this last week flyers have been going out and we've been pumping it on our social media but please understand this is not just for Hopewell members this is open to anyone who is in the southern Illinois community we want to give our children an opportunity to showcase their talents and abilities in a godly way so please sign up is either in person or online you can go ahead and send us a message but we want you to be able to have your kids let their light shine for our showcase that will be coming up shortly we also have a Christmas party I know we just celebrated Thanksgiving but we are not stopping there we're gonna have a church-wide Christmas party that is gonna be Sunday December 18th immediately after service so we are asking because we are providing food we want this to be a great time please sign up in advance and the last day to sign up will be next Sunday December 4th will be the last time to sign up so please come on out we're gonna have food funds game and just a time of fellowship as we celebrate the end of the year and the holiday season well as you may notice it is yet me again. Minister Ford, Pastor Swims, is off in his absence. I will be filling in, but we do give honor to our pastor and our first family. We also want to give honor to our ministers, elders, and deacons, and everyone in their respective places. You may be noticing, where's the pulpit? Well, today we're going for a little Andy Stanley flow. Since we're at home, we're going to present the word, and God has a word that is just going to be some solid meat for us to chew on and just for us to meditate and think about all what God has done in our lives so I hope you are ready I hope you have your Bibles ready do me a favor since we're all virtual today go ahead hit the like button hit the share button this is our act of digital evangelism this is our act to get the message out there you may not have been able to invite someone to church this morning but by you hitting that share button or tagging someone you could help spread the gospel and the good news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ well, if you have your Bibles ready or have a secondary device, all you got to do is go ahead and even look on the screen. We're going to have the scripture that will be up there for you to read as well as we go on. But for, before we get started, let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you for this time, this moment that you've given us to labor in your word, dear God. I ask, dear God, that you use me as a vessel, dear God. Decrease me, dear God, that I may not be standing here, dear God, but that I just may be used as you of you, dear God, as someone that is presenting your word and your good news to your people, dear God. I pray that you allow this word to minister, to reach someone that they must say, what must I do to be saved, dear God? Allow me to decrease, become transparent, so they do not see me, but they see the cross. And we thank you for this, dear God. It's in your precious son Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen, amen, amen. Today we're going to be concluding our series, and we've been in this series, as you can see, from the month of November of thank you. Just reasons why we have to tell God 
thank you. And today we're going to take a look a little bit from a post-Thanksgiving point of view. You know, we've had our bellies full. We've enjoyed the time with our friends and family. But what does that thank you mean after the time of Thanksgiving? And we're going to be looking at our text here in John 6. John 6. Um, John 6 and 11 is going to be our focus text. But we're actually just going to trek through the whole chapter this morning. And we're going to see what the Lord has saying. So to set the context here, like I said, we're just vibing. We're, you're in your living rooms. We're in your bed. We're just connecting, watching on the TV. So let's go ahead and just walk through the text here and see what God is telling us. In John 6, we see that Jesus is now traveling. And in his travels, he has been doing many and a great work in his public ministry. And we see here in verse 2, it says that a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went. I could only imagine the crowd that was following after this man named Jesus. What has Jesus been doing so far that has garnered this huge crowd? He had already at this point in time healed the official son. The Roman official came up to him and said, my son is sick. And Jesus just spoke the word. And by the time he even got back to his house, he received word that that healing had took place already. This news is running around about this man from Galilee who's now doing all these healings. And we also see now that Jesus is coming up to the man at the pool of Bethesda, a place where it was said that the, he, the, the sick and the infirm could crawl down to the pool and they could receive a touch and become healed. But before that even happened, Jesus performed a miracle. So we see the crowds are gathering. They're hearing about this man. It's like that the, the, uh, the Taylor Swift tickets that are selling out for hundreds of thousands of dollars. But before there was even Ticketmaster, there was just the word of mouth and people coming to see Jesus. So now we know why they're following him. And we see in verse 3 that Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly the time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. I think there's something key here that if we examine and look, it said that he knew the crowd was coming. And then at that point, Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. He climbed up to a hill. Now he was positioned to see this huge crowd coming. And at this point, he had a test for one of his disciples. What is key here that I want us to take away as we examine this this morning is that Jesus positioned himself to be a blessing. Oh, see, we're about to go into a story that we've heard about where Jesus feeds the 5,000. But I think it's a point that we miss that Jesus put himself in a position to be a blessing. As we're looking at that, we have to ask the question, where in our lives are we positioning ourselves to be a blessing for others? This is the time of Thanksgiving that we just came out of. We know the holiday season is coming up. Are we in a position to be a blessing and to see the need to be a blessing for others? Jesus is showing us this. But Philip responds in verse 7, and he replies, and Philip says in verse 7, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Philip now 
not seeing Jesus, but seeing the problem is instantly saying, wait, Jesus, we could work for months and still wouldn't have the money to feed them. We've been in our series about reasons to be thankful, but just like the disciples who have seen so many miracles, how often do we respond to the test of Jesus with disbelief? See, we have experienced our own tests and trials. And sometimes we get mad at God for the tests. We get mad at God for the trials. But we don't see that Jesus, that God may be trying to teach us something. And we respond like Philip in disbelief, in wonderment, like, God, how can this be possible? How can this happen? When you look it down and break it up, a denarius was worth about a day's, a day's wages. And so it was about 200 denarii, he says in the text, that it would cost to feed all these people. Not even trying to come up with all this food to feed these people. That's almost uh, roughly about $60,000 that Philip was being astute to say, hey, we don't have it, Jesus. We can't make this happen. In spite of all that they've seen Jesus do, he still responded in disbelief. But I love it because there is one disciple that speaks up to a degree. And we see in verse 8, then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Verse 9 says, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that to this huge crowd? Ooh, see, See, Andrew demonstrates something that I believe a lot of us suffer with, and it's a type of faith that we have. Oh, we have some faith, but I like to call it a shy faith, a timid faith, because we see here Andrew spoke up and said, hey, there's a young boy here with five loaves and two fish. But he spoke up, but he casted doubt at the same time. He said, but what good is that to this huge crowd? See, he spoke up with what was available or what he had access to, but he didn't believe Jesus was God enough to do anything with it. Ooh, see, that's sometimes how we come to Jesus. We say, God, I have this. God, you've given me that. But we don't believe that he's God enough to do something with what we got. I love the old hymn. It says, little is much when God is in it. Labor not in vain when we realize that God is still able to take little and make much. But his disciples, even in being in such close proximity to the Savior, still doubted his ability to make a way. As we go through and finding reasons to say thank you, we got to realize that we can't doubt God. We can't give up on God because he's never given up on us. He's never given up on you in spite of what may be going on around you. The disciples saw their current situation, but they couldn't see where God, where Jesus was trying to take them to. And he was testing them in this. I pray, I pray, I pray that the Lord makes us ready, the Lord makes us available, that when during times and possibly even seasons of testing, that we don't shy away with timid faith, but we become bold in believing what God can and what God said and what he has already done. So we see Andrew spoke up with this shy faith. We got something, but what good is it? Now we go over to verse 10. And we see Jesus is now giving instructions. He says, tell everyone to sit down. Jesus said, so they all sat down, all on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered 5,000. We see this here recorded. If the men alone numbered 5,000, and then say if we added uh, a wife and a child, 
and another sibling, the nuclear family, a wife and two, that's a family of four now. We multiply that up, we can get anywhere from 25 to 50,000 people, depending on the size of the family. So it was just not the 5,000 as recorded. Verse 11 says, then Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. Now, here we have the miracle of the five fish and the four loaves of bread. Jesus sat down on the slopes. He took the loaves and gave thanks to God and distributed them to all the people. What I love and what Andrew couldn't see and what Philip couldn't see, when he brought the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus was able to multiply what we need with what we have. We have to understand that Jesus is in the business of doing something that is mathematically impossible. Jesus was able to multiply through division. You divide and take away, but Jesus was able to multiply. Can you imagine the bread is in his hand and as he breaks it and gives it away it does not go empty it does not go away I love the reality of this that God the creator who sent his son Jesus also sent them with the power to create something out of nothing you may be thinking that in your life and in this season how am I going to make a way Thanksgiving wasn't what I wanted it to be my family and friends couldn't be here I don't know how I'm going to provide for Christmas but if you understand and believe that Jesus is in the ability to multiply what you have and magnify it and make it great. That is a reason to say thank you. That is a reason to exalt him and to praise him because we know that he is able to do such a great thing. When you think that you're actually losing something, God is trying to multiply a blessing on your behalf. We just got to let God be God sometimes. We just got to know that he is doing his part there. But what I love about this, <coughs> the 5,000, Jesus breaks the bread, gives it to the disciples. They keep handing it out. It is not running out. But the people there, they have no idea that a miracle is happening. <laughs> Can you see it? Can you see Jesus on the mountainside? 5,000 plus, 10,000, 15, 20,000 people. And all of a sudden, an all-you-can-eat buffet just comes streaming through the lines. That people say, hey, can I get another loaf of bread? Can I, can, can I get another piece of fish? And their requests are constantly being met by an all-providing Savior. Could it be that there have been times in our lives where we might have been in the middle, middle of a miracle, but we had no idea that you didn't realize that God was working behind the scenes to provide and to give you a blessing that you couldn't even think was possible that you didn't even think could happen this is what happens sometimes when we fail to give God the glory or we diminish the power of what God has that we could be ignorant and miss God's blessing and miss the opportunity to tell him thank you to miss the opportunity to see that, God, that was your hand. See, Jesus is teaching us something here that we fail to miss during this Thanksgiving and Christmas and holiday season, that it is better to give than to receive. See, the disciples were active in the miracle by working and giving. 
the boy gave of his meal. See, it's key to know and understand that having an unavailable spirit and a giving heart paves the way for God's miracles to reach its destination. Oh, that was good to me. I got to say that again. Having an available spirit and a giving heart paves the way for God's miracles to reach its destination. I pray and hope that we get to the place where we realize that the miracle may not be for me, but God, I just want to say thank you for using me as a vessel. God, I'm available. God, I'm ready. God, if I have to give up of my own, but just to know that you're able to use me as a conduit, you're able to use me as a connection of getting your blessings through, but repeat this, the blessing didn't only affect the people, it affected disciples and the boys. They all had more than enough to eat. When you're able to be available and you have a giving heart, that miracle is going to flow on through. But I guarantee you that some of it is going to catch on to you too. This is more of a reason why we have to understand God, I thank you. I thank you for using me. I thank you for being available, God, however you want to do it. See, what we have to understand and what, 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 what isn't explicit in the text is <coughs> that five barley loaves and two pieces of fish was considered a poor man's meal. Oh, barley wheat was, was cheaper to come by and the salted fish that they usually use was cheaper to come by, but it didn't matter the quality of what it is. It mattered how God wants to use it. See, that's what happens sometimes is that the enemy tries to trick you and to think that what you have isn't good enough, that what you have isn't worth it. So why should I give thanks? Why should I be available? Why should I open myself up? When we just have to trust and know that if God has a plan for it, he will make a away for it. We just have to be open and available. The disciples didn't understand or anticipate this miracle, but because they were available and willing and ready, when Jesus invited them, they were able to take a part in it. Oh, that is so key that we have to see. That is so key that we have to see. But we see here it would be cool. Yet again, if you know I'm the type of preacher, I can't just leave something alone. That could be the part that I could have just built a whole sermon on and shouted on how God made a miracle and we're supposed to give thanks about that. But the text, the text was just clawing at me. The text was just speaking to me and it, it said, read a little further, see what else we're talking about. And when we look at verses 14 and 15, it says, when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely, he is the prophet we have been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. This part of the text, we, we leave alone because we shouted off of the blessing. But the crowd is like many of us after Thanksgiving. An event or a time where we are supposed to be thankful and we're supposed to be thanking God for what he's done. Instead, we only look to see what more selfishly can we gain. You see it in verse 15. The people saw him do this miraculous sign. They finally realized, wait, God did a miracle. So they think he's the prophet that Moses was talking about. He is the prophet that's to come. And he saw Jesus. He recognized, oh, they're not thankful. But they want to put me in a position where they can benefit. So he slipped away, as he often does, to be 
by himself. Jesus recognized that the crowd was willing to support him as long as he gave them what they wanted, which was the bread. But Jesus understanding that, hey, I'm here to give more than just this physical bread. He leaves the people alone, the people that he just blessed. He leaves them by themselves to be alone in the mountains. Ooh, I have something here to tell you. Could it be that the conditions of our hearts cause separation from his presence? Ooh, that's why I'm sitting down today. Because it's, 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 some, it's some tough meat we got to chew on on this morning. Could it be, could it be that the condition of your heart is what causes the separation from his presence? We often think, God, where are you? God, 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 why can't I feel you? Why aren't you near? Why does it feel like you're not answering or hearing me? But could it be that there are areas in our hearts where we have it misconstrued and we have it twisted up to think that God is a vending machine that is only supposed to give me what I want, that he's like Burger King, I could have it my way. But when Jesus is really just saying, no, you're missing something. So because of what you're missing, I have to separate myself for a season or for a time so you can see, hey, do you really see me? It's during this time when Jesus pulls away from the crowd that now we see another miracle take place. In verses 16 to 21, we see that that evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake to Capernaum. Verse 18 says, soon as the gale swept down upon them and the sea grew very rough, they had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified, but he called out to them, don't be afraid, I am here. They were eager to let him in the boat, and immediately they arrived at their destination. Here is another awesome miracle that we see of God. We remember here that Jesus goes to the mountains to get away, as he regularly did, to commune with the Father. Now, Jesus is now telling trained fishermen and sailors, please understand this, the disciples' main backgrounds was ones of tradesmen that were fishermen. They sailed the seas of Galilee. They weren't novices. They weren't rookies. They were well-versed in how to handle a boat and how to travel across the seas. But at this point, it's past midnight, and they set out, and the trip instantly gets rough. And if we connect the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're the synoptic Gospels. They all tell the similar story, but some expound on a little bit more. And when we look through here in Mark 6, we actually see that it records the same event where Jesus from the mountain is watching the disciples struggle through the storm, struggle trying to row. We see that it, it, it was recorded that they rode, rode for three or four miles through this storm, just trying to make it to the other side. What we also got to realize is this wasn't the first storm the disciples had to endure. If you don't remember in Matthew 8, it recounts that they are traveling yet again on the seas, but this time Jesus is in the boat with them. And while he's asleep on a pillow in the boat, the storm starts raging again. And the disciples are now filled with terror and fear. And they run to Jesus and wake him up. And he says, why were you worried? Peace, be still. And instantly, the storm was calm. 
Now, it would boggle my mind. I would think that if I seen Jesus do it before earlier, how he said, peace be still, I should still have the same peace to know that, God, you're going to be with me. <coughs> but we see the disciples did not have that. For rowing for three or four hours, we could see that they were at a place of frustration. Like, ah, we're trying to get there, but we're facing all this adversity. We're facing all these trials. And guess what? We're frustrated because we're doing exactly what Jesus told us to do. Woo, yet again. I don't know about you, but that sounds like my life. God, I'm doing your will. God, I'm trying to follow your word. But yet, through it all, I'm facing storm after storm, adversity after adversity. Now, what should I be thankful for? I'm trying to do your work. I'm following your word. I'm following your will. And now from a place of frustration, they end up in a place of fear. <coughs> They're fearful of what's to come. They're frustrated and fearful. But this is what I love. Isn't it just like Jesus? That in the middle of our storms, he's seated up on the mountain talking to God in heavenly places. But yet while he's still up there and separated for a season, he still has you on his mind. He still has the disciples on his mind. And he is still yet concerned about us. And he will drop what he is doing to see about us. It says when the seas grew rough and they were terrified that Jesus started walking on the water towards the boat. They were terrified but called out to him. Some other gospels said they thought it was a ghost. They thought it was a spirit. They thought it was the end. They thought they had no other hope or no other way. But it's in that that we see that Jesus came to meet them right in their time of need. We need to know and trust and believe that no matter how far we feel that God is from us, that he has promised to never leave us nor to never forsake us. I know for some that during this holiday time there is great pain and there is great grief and there is great trials and there is great tribulations and there is questions and doubts and fear and frustration but you have to know and trust and believe that Jesus is walking to meet you in the middle of your storm that Jesus is making himself available you may feel in the flesh that he's gone but in the spirit he is right there by your side to lead you and to guide you through all the storms that you may face in life and catch the blessed word that ended in this in verse 21 Verse 21 says something so key. It says, then they were eager to let him in the boat. And immediately they arrived at their destination. Oh, I'm sitting down and chilling. But if there was one part out at the shout out, it would be this point right here. The, 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 the disciples were eager to let him in the boat. Why? 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 Because they recognized that their Savior was there. They recognized that Jesus was right there. And it's better to have Jesus with me than walking against me or away from me. So they were eager to invite him in and immediately they arrived at their destination. Oh, this is a word for when we come back in person. This is a word for whatever you're going through that when we are excited to see Jesus, that's when deliverance can be made available. 
oh, I wish and I go uh, earn for the place. Will we build an excitement for Jesus, a fervor for Jesus, an anticipation for Jesus? My kids, all of my kids right now are excited for the countdown to Christmas. Why? Because they know that they're going to receive something great. But I wonder how many of us can have a countdown to see Jesus, to have a countdown to experience the Father, to say, I can't wait till I get home in a private place to praise the name of God. I can't wait till I'm able to be back in the building and fellowship amongst the believers to praise the name of God. When we realize that with our excitement, our expectancy is the breeding ground for breakthrough. Thank you, Pastor Barnes. Our expectancy, when we come with an expectant heart, when we come with an expectant spirit, that's when it now fertilizes the ground for God to do something amazing. So we see it here in the text, and I hope you see it in your life, that when we are expectant, when we are eager, when we yearn after him, as the Bible says, as a deer panteth for the water, so does my soul long and thirst after you. So God, if I could get more of you, I know that in getting you, that my deliverance is available. My breakthrough is available. That you could bring me out any storm, any test, or any trial. And that's a wonderful and amazing thing. But yet again, I love that about chapter 6. I've heard that preached so many times throughout my life. And it is a wonderful and blessed testimony. But what fails to be acknowledged or brought together is the close of chapter 6 here. We see the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, a public display of God's glory and his power. We see Jesus walking on the water, a private showing of who God is. So if we look at this, we get to this point now. It's the next day. They reach across the lake. The, the people ask, and I'm going to summarize this in saying here so we don't have to go through the whole text because it's like 77 verses. The people ask, Jesus, when did you get here? Because they've been looking for him, yet again, to perform another miracle. Jesus responds with truth and wisdom saying, you just want me because I fed you, not because you understand. Don't seek things like food. Seek eternal life given through God, through the Son of Man. Jesus is now in full teach mode. Jesus is now in full teacher mode and trying to show the people who he is. Verse 28, the people's like, you know what, that's cool, <laughs> but we want to perform God's work too. Jesus tells them, no, 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 the only work God wants from you is to believe in the one he sent. The people, stubborn now, still look and just be like, hey, just show us another miracle. Just do another trick, God. Yet again, <coughs> In the text, I may not be talking about you, but I see some, some, some other saints and some other people that they, we get so conditioned to the vending machine Jesus, to the Burger King Jesus that's just supposed to give it to us our way, that's just supposed to give us what we want when we don't realize the true essence of what Jesus is trying to do. The people don't see that. They even have the audacity to bring up the Old Testament and say, hey, Moses gave the people bread back in the day, so you got to give us something if this is who you say you are. And I believe it's here that Jesus reaches a tipping point. Jesus now proclaims that he is the bread of life. If you eat of me, you will never die. He goes on to say, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. He says to this massive crowd that has been following him, now, the crowd is like, what? 
is this man telling us to, 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 to become like Jeffrey Dahmer and to take a bite of his flesh and take a, a drink of his blood? Now they're arguing amongst themselves and they're not understanding this. And Jesus is trying to tell them and explain, but they are still stuck in a place of disbelief. And so now what happens? We have the miracle of feeding the 5,000. We have Jesus walking on water. But now that the miracles are done and the truth of his word is being preached and taught, now they're like, ooh, I'm uncomfortable. Now, it, it's not hard for me necessarily to understand this, but it's hard for me to accept this. Ooh, what happens when it's the things of God that we understand, but we just don't want to accept because of our flesh? Oh, I know that's a lot to chew on that way, but there's a lot that God has spoken to you. There's a lot that God is telling you that you have an understanding of, but you struggle with accepting. Why? Because it doesn't fit the narrative that you want for your life. When God is just trying to tell you, I'm trying to show you a better way. I'm trying to lead you to a better way. And at this, this is where now the people break away. This is now where the people start to leave. In verse 60, we see that now Jesus with many of his disciples, I know we're used to the 12, but at this point, he had many disciples that were following him, many that were proclaiming that they want to sit at the feet of Jesus. And in verse 60, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Drop down to verse 66, it says, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Ooh, it's at this point when the truth of God's word is being proclaimed that some people can't, don't want to hear the truth of his word. They just want to, to hear the, see the miracles happen. They don't want to see the truth and the instructions of the lifestyle and how to live and what God is commanding and what God is saying. But it's at this point now that they turn and walk away. Oh, it's something that I see far too often that we come to God when we have our big problems because we expect a big God. But once we see a big God take care of our big problems and now our problems go away and a big God is saying, hey, this is how you avoid more problems. This is how you live a lifestyle after me. This is how you grow in your walk of faith. It's then where we turn away from God because we don't want to hear what he has to say. Because we just want the God that's going to give us instead of the God that's trying to teach us. So can you imagine this crowd that numbers in the thousands, a whole team of disciples that are now following Jesus. He's healed the sick time and time again. He made something out of nothing to feed the thousands. He privately walked on the water to show his divinity to his disciples. He speaks truth to his power, and now he's left all alone. Oh, you saw it in the beginning, the title of this message, the title of this message. You saw it last week with the Unlimited Sip Club. You're going to get it this week with the itis, the itis, the itis. Oh, what is the itis? Y'all know it's post-Thanksgiving when you got that good meal in you and you just filled up to the brim and next thing you know you just full and you don't want nothing you incoherent you just want to go to sleep you keep feeding yourself with more food but you have the itis and you're filled up on things that you fed yourself you're good and full and that's how thanksgiving has left us in that post 
thanksgiving mode. But dare I say that many of us may not be suffering from a physical itis, but we have a spiritual itis. Oh yes, we have been full and we've seen God work time and time again in our lives, but yet we are still not satisfied because we just want more and more and more. And when God is trying to say, hey, I fed you already, but now I'm trying to teach you something. But the itis has a soul gone and so in a state of slumber and slothfulness that we just want more of the food, but we don't want to know what comes next in our spiritual gluttony and itis we crave to be filled but not from the source we crave the gift but not the gift giver we crave the blessings but not the blesser we've seen God do these works so much but that's all we want we want the master's hand but we don't seek after his heart we want what he has to give us but we don't seek to be like-minded with Christ and this is the problem when we develop a spiritual itis that we become like the people we become like the disciples and when it comes time for the truth of his word when it comes time to get back to a healthy diet and healthy eating we want to sit on the couch and just receive what we've been receiving and what we want <clears throat> see the problem the problem is people can have a great enthusiasm for Jesus but the Jesus that they're excited about man that's not the real biblical Jesus see it may be a morally good Jesus it may be a socialist Jesus or a capitalist Jesus or a Democrat Jesus or a Republican Jesus. It could be a racist Jesus or a revolutionary liberist Jesus or countercultural cool Jesus. But it's not the Jesus who in the end gave his life as a ransom for sinners. See, the people saw him heal the sick, but they still missed Jesus. The disciples saw firsthand his power and his divinity, but they still missed Jesus. As we close out our thank you series, let's not get the spiritual itis. Let's not become like those people there. See, in verse 11, it was so key. It says, and then Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God. Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. See, Jesus gave us the answer there. And he tried to show us time and time again that way back in verse 11, he connected what he had and he gave thanks back to the source. He gave thanks back to the source. What you have to realize and what we have to understand is that this whole message, this whole series had one big idea, one big idea that God, in spite of all the things you've done, in spite of all the ways you've made, in spite of everything, how you blessed me, I'm going to give credit like Jesus did. And he gave thanks to God. I wonder that during, as we close out this season, and as we prepare to close out this year, that if you have a thank you, and I'm thanking you, Jesus, not for the gift. I'm thanking you not for the blessings. I'm thanking you not for all these things. But I'm just saying thank 
thank you, God. I'm just saying thank you, Jesus, because guess what? You are more than the blessings. You are more than the miracles. If you never do another thing in my life, you are still yet God. You are still yet Jesus. You are still yet worthy of the praise. And I believe it's from this place and from this position that we could give God a true praise and a true thanks because we know that it is his will to bless us. We know that it is his will to deliver us. It's in his will to be a way maker and a miracle maker, but he is still yet God. So I just wonder while you're at home, if you could let out a thank you, if you could let out a thank you, Jesus. I know you may be looking around you. You may be saying there is not much that I have to be thankful for, but God, I am just thankful for you. I don't need nothing else. Oh, I may desire and want other things, but God, all I need is you. So let me not be like the people that chase after a king, but don't see the Messiah. Let me not be like the people that chase after your miracles, but don't see the Savior. And because I see the Savior, I have a reason to say thank you. Oh, that's the big idea. That's the culmination of this series. That, Lord, we just want to say thank you. We just want to say thank you. And I am praying, and I am hoping, and I am believing that we have someone out there that wants to respond to the call that God has placed in your life, that you recognize, well, Lord, I thank you. I am saved. I am healed, and I am delivered, but I haven't given you the credit that you deserve, so I need to say thank you. We may have some that says, you know what? I need some prayer to see Jesus the way I need to see him. It'll be up on your screen. You could DM us, send us a message, call us, Facebook us, Instagram us, whatever way. We have people that will be willing to pray with you. And I hope and I pray that there might be one that says, you know what, I see a Savior that's worthy of a thank you. And I recognize that God, you sent your son Jesus to die for my sins. And I want to be a part of the body of believers so I can tell you thank you myself. If that is you, please send us a message. We want to walk this walk of faith with you. We want to walk this walk of life with you. We want to lead you and be with you as you join yourself to the well. So this is our altar call. This is our moment of invitation. I know we are only online, but I believe in the power of a God that is able to use technology to minister, that is able to use technology to save, and is able to use technology to deliver. So I wonder, as we see those calls, as we here get those messages coming through if you could just respond in faith and just type in the chat right now just say thank you Jesus just say thank you Jesus I want to see the chat is just filling up with thank yous and we're giving our thank yous in advance we're giving our thank yous on faith saying God we believe you to do what you're going to do we believe you to do what you need to do and even if it hasn't been done God we are still saying thank you there it is there it is you're in encouraging someone by your thank you that when they come back and see this broadcast they're going to be seeing the thankfulness of the believers so I'm excited 